Topics that concern your life, your community, and your safety. This is 5-0 Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Here's what you need to know. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the 5-0 Show. We talk about matters of the community because community matters. I'm Jamie Rothschild, the host of the show. And today I am joined by a guest who's been in my family's life for years, Jim James Riley. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. No, I'm, I'm glad you could do it because I feel like uh, I, I tell everyone, hey, Jim and I used to work together, but man, your story is so much deeper. So we want to talk a little bit about your career and then we want to touch on what you're doing now. But most importantly, as we work through this, I want to talk about the why. So if you would... Start back before you strapped on a badge and you were a police officer. What drove you to do that job? Wow. Okay. Um, so I was a supervisor out at Sea Ray Boats, 4140 East Raymond. I, was, uh, uh, I loved the job, loved the people. Um, but uh, I, I jumped into the reserve program um, before I was actually a regular officer. So I got bit by the bug. I absolutely loved it. I couldn't wait to go out on weekends and and uh, get involved. And finally, I made that decision to uh, quit my leave my job at Sea uh, Ray Boats and go full time. By the way, I'm going to say that anyone in law enforcement, you did something that we all do. You gave the name of the business and then you gave the address. Oh, so is it hard to break those those habits? I mean, well, you've been you've been doing this since what year were you a reserve? 1980. Okay, so 1980. Yeah, yeah. and um, um, I, anyway, I just I just loved it, you know, and and um, I I just made the 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 conscious decision to to make the transition and go full time, and you know how tough that academy is. So for four months long, everything's on you. You leave a secure job that you were making uh, where you were making good money, and uh, um, you know you put everything on the line. Now, when you say on the line, you, you the academy. So the academy is designed to make you successful, but it, you know you can certainly uh, not complete the academy. Did you find that that whole process difficult? Were you in the military before? Were you used to that structure? I wasn't in the military, and I wasn't used to the structure. But I can tell you that we started out with forty-seven and ended up with thirty-one graduating. So there were a lot of people that just couldn't handle the structure and. Uh, um, and the physical requirements, so they left. When you get to the academy, you're then asked to, to talk about where you want to work throughout the city. Now, now, were you raised in Phoenix, by the way? Yes. Okay, I wasn't, so I didn't really know any parts of the city. How did you pick your first precinct area, or were you just assigned there? I was assigned there. Maryville. Okay, so yeah. Maryville, it's, it's basically west of 27th Ave, Thomas, Indian School area. Yes, but when I knew you, you worked in the Cactus Park precinct, which is a little bit more north, still on the Avenue side. How did you wind up there? They um, had some issues with the old police precinct at uh, forty twenty. Well, forty twenty West Glen Rosa. Sorry, sorry. No, it's fine. And uh, so um, uh, I lived up north, and uh, it was just a good time to uh, transfer up to nine hundred. Uh, it was a, a new police station, and I think a couple years old at the time. So, so for me to be close to home and work at nine hundred, uh, it was just a good 
good move. Now, how old are you at this this time, roughly? When well, you're when you're starting in oh, that precinct? Oh, oh, I thought you meant now. I wouldn't I was 26 when I started the academy. I wouldn't ask you your age now because everyone yeah. who knows you says that you don't act yeah. your age. Yeah. So it, it, when you're a 26, 27-year-old and you're seeing the world for the first time in ways that you've never seen it before, I tell people the first time I drove out of the gates alone in a patrol car without a training officer with me, Jim, I, I felt like there will be no crime today in the city because I'm on the case. Did you have that that view of I'm here to make a difference when you started? Well, not only did I, but, you know, I made so many traffic stops on my very first day that my squad was looking at all these different stops. I filled an entire worksheet full of <laughs> OV traffic stops, and, and they were, you know, laughing at me because they, you know, obviously a booter stopping anything he could, you know, get his put his eyes on. So You just wanted to tell everyone, hey, I'm a cop, I'm out yeah, here. Yeah. I just wanted no, to introduce to, myself. It was the best over job. I loved it. And I had some great training officers and uh, 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 Ken Keller, who's no longer with us, but um, serial number is 1218. So uh, he was a journalist in college and really taught me how to write reports and, and uh he was a great training officer. But. When you look at the careers or the education of the folks who who do this job all over the world, it is fascinating. Whether and I tell people you can you can learn about people. You have a, a front row seat to life. As you mentioned, you can be a journalist. You can be someone who's on the news. There's so many options in this career. What did you enjoy most about it? The people in the chase. I love to get out there and, 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 you know, I always say this, you know, there's a get to and got to where you, you, you know, I got to get up in the morning. I got to go to that job. Right. But this job you actually get to. Yep. I was so excited to get up and go to work. Uh, every, every morning was a gift. I'm telling you for 25 years and a year on, uh, uh, before as a reserve and a year after as a reserve. So this week, you and I were were in, were in the early phases of planning an event. So we were in the same car, and from the outside, it it probably looks like a police car. It doesn't have the decals. Inside, it's got the same. It's got the computer and the lights and all that good stuff. And you and I were driving, and you went into senior officer mode, the one who's in charge. You were telling me turn here, your turn, and then finally I said, Jim. This is my neighborhood. I mean, like, you and I live in basically the same neighborhood, but you were very much, but not in, not in a mean way by any means. Yeah. You have that reputation of being a leader among folks we worked with. And then you leave the career. Was that a hard transition for you because you were used to always being that leader? It really wasn't. I mean, there's so much that goes on during your career. And, and you, what happens is you realize that the older you get – the criminals are younger and more dangerous and they're they're eager to get away so when you, while you love working the street you know that your time's limited out there it's kind of a young man's game you know well, but i'll push back on that a little bit because the skill that you have honed over the years is the skill that you know and i i i've been doing this almost 25 years i recognize yeah. i'm not as young as i used to be but i think that you and i over time have developed more of the ability to intently listen and communicate with people. So what you did is you took that gift and now you're doing other stuff. You've worked other careers, but you're giving back to the the career that you loved in Blue Strong. Can you talk about what you're doing now? 
Sure. And I, I did. I loved every day that I went to work. But for me, it was time to move on and find something different. So um, I created Blue Strong when uh, Stephen Outram and his family were involved in a uh, horrific accident. Um, Stephen had 18 years on and um, they're very faithful in the Lord. And um, um, it it was a challenge for their family every day, whether Stephen was going to live or not. And something just grabbed hold of me. I followed this family. And um, after about four or five months, you know, I kept telling myself, I have to do something, anything for this family. And um, uh, then I realized one day I, I kept telling the same story, right? I'd run into officers and I said, I have to do something for this family. And, uh, Finally, I decided to do it. I created Blue Strong, and uh, my first T-shirt was Blue Strong, uh, Blue Strong Outram. And um, I was so thankful that I drove, I delivered these shirts in my car, and I thanked every person that purchased a shirt um, so I could collect their money, shake their hand, and then, you know, I had this big envelope full of money uh, that I finally – turned into a cashier's check and, and delivered to the family. What I didn't realize, I thought, you know, I think we raised like $2,300 or something. And um, what I didn't realize was that was just a drop in the bucket to what they're spending in medical and living expenses and everything else. So, But that's where Blue Strong was born, right? And it motivated me to get more involved with uh, uh, a lot of the officers that were in need. Um, it, 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 it kind of motivated me to trademark Blue Strong and then keep it going, right? And now what I do is every shirt that's sold, I donate 10% or $2.50 per shirt, which goes into a fund and it goes to a nonprofit organization. And there's plenty out there. And I hope you allow me to name those because they're all nonprofit police organizations like Eats and Treats for Cops by Renee Hoffman. There's there's Sean Reavy with Put on the Cape Foundation. There's Canine Pauls with Shelly Murano. All of these people have created this out of love for and respect for our police officers. And and I'm on board with that. And, and so I'll be honest with you, you and I are friends, and we don't have many serious conversations, but that's one of the things that I always see. You are all over Facebook. You're all over the community. You are going and taking somebody who's injured. You're driving them. You're putting your own time and your own dime to take care of others. You'd never ask for recognition. I know that you do stuff for injured officers and their family. What drives you? What's your why? Well, I didn't used to have the why because I worked off duty and overtime and I had a drive to work and and I had a drive to work and save money and, you know, have a quality of life uh, with this police job. And it was an awesome career and I made a lot of, you know, money working off duty and things like that. But But then I realized that the gift of giving far exceeded making money right and 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 honestly if i can give back every day that's the goal i tell people you're not going to be remembered for what you saved you're going to be remembered for what you gave 
So when we talk about remembrance, I know you don't do it for accolades, and then I know this you struggle with this, but this I do want to take the moment to honor you for all that you do. Um, and you've never once raised your hand and said, look what I do. We've had to learn about it from other sources. When you look back at your police career or what you're doing now, you obviously are a dedicated family man. What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to be best remembered for? The gift of giving. Um, I, honestly, I'll probably, my last breath will be supporting Blue Strong and trying to help others. Um, that's just what makes me tick now nowadays. So I love it. I thank you, Jim, for everything you did, um, you know, to serve the community and what you're doing to serve employees or officers and their families. That's amazing. But uh, one of the things that you may not know is the impact you had on those of us when we were newer. When you see someone who's been doing the job but um, is confident, not cocky, knowledgeable, and, and is willing to lean down and help others up, I think for many people that's going to be your legacy. I, I posted something, a picture of you in the patrol car the other day, and the comments were, oh, did he tell you not to hit the curb? Did he tell you not that? But <laughs> but people did that in love. Yeah, People have very strong, wonderful memories of you. So in, in an effort to embarrass you very publicly, I just want to say thank you oh, uh, for all it. you've done, well, not, not just for the people, but for the career. Uh, probably one of the best proactive police officers I know. Um, and yet one of the most humble guys I know. So thank you what you continue to do. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, as long as we're saying thank you, thank you to Ed, our producer. Thanks, Ed. (laughs) Who deals with us each and every week. Uh, Ed's got a rich history, too. I I love having him here on the show. But thank you to Bonneville for this time. This is time we otherwise would not have to tell the community who the amazing men and women who do this job are. So thank you to everyone who serves, who has served, or is considering a future in serving. If you want to learn more about the Phoenix Police Department, please check out phoenix.gov employment, or you can call the Phoenix Police Employment Service Bureau at 602-262-6925. Until next week, stay safe. You've been listening to 50 Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News 92.3 FM. For more about Silent Witness, go to silentwitness.org. That's silentwitness.org. Or call 480-WITNESS. That's 480-948-6377.